Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Conroe Bible Church. It is good to see you all this morning. If you're one of our guests, we're glad that you're with us, and we want you to know that you're most welcome. I have a couple of quick announcements to make, and then we are going to get started in a, uh, a different way than normal. Um, the first announcement is we will be celebrating communion this morning, and if you didn't come in through these back doors and pass this table with the communion elements, please go back there now, and you can get communion elements for yourself. Um, and uh, parents, please uh, oversee the uh, worship of your kids with that. Um, the second thing is today is the day that registrations for the women's retreat in October will open. And registrations open at 2 p.m. for that. And you can get to the registration on Church Center in the events section. You can also get to the registration through the, uh, through the church website, through the events um, link on the menu. Um, but that opens at 2 p.m. If you have any questions um, before or after registration is open, you can contact Jenny Craig to, uh, to get those questions answered. And that's all I have. So I'm going to turn this over to Adam and, uh, and, there, and Adam and his, uh, his uh, group of little people are going to start this thing. <laughs> my, group, my group of little people. Hey, isn't it awesome to see all these friends up here? Yeah. So we have just wrapped up an awesome week of um, kids camp. And so throughout the week, we had the opportunity to minister to 120 different kids. Yes. And we had just under 50 volunteers. That's including our awesome student volunteers. And so, yes, absolutely. Please give a hand to them because... Uh, this is an event that takes a lot of people, and so um, I absolutely loved this theme, Time Lab. I mean, it's super cool. I mean, science and time travel and all that kind of stuff, um, but I love how it um, just wove uh, scripture and the gospel all the way through it. Um, so we were traveling back in time and seeing Jesus from eternity past to eternity future. And so we looked at the Old Testament and even at creation and saw how Jesus was there. And then we talked about how um, how he's coming back one day. And so the kids got an overview of all of scripture. Um, but m more than hearing from me, you want to hear from them. And so um, join with us as they lead us in worship this morning. Let's go! Let's go! Here we go! Let's go! On a time lab discovery! Let's go! 
once for all time he paid the price he's the light of the world and never changing savior who was and is god's only son and this life And so we will dismiss the kids' worship after that point. Let's stand together.
Savior, I come. 
as we go into a time of communion lead us to the cross draw us to you remind us of the life that you laid down the price you paid the blood you shed to redeem us to restore us to reconcile us to you lead us to your heart in Christ's name I pray amen And to sing about Jesus as our sinless substitute, the sacrifice that he paid on the cross for us. And uh, this morning we do get to observe communion together. And I want us to uh, use this as a natural time of thankfulness for us. This is an ordinance that was given to us by the Lord Jesus. This is something that he has asked us to do, and he's invited us to his table. And so uh, we are going to take the elements together and uh, proclaim his death as we do that. So if you don't have elements, they're in the back. You can go get those now. Uh, we ask you to hold them so that we can take them together. And as Chris said earlier, uh, the uh, parents, we ask you to oversee the worship of our children. We have an open table to all those that are followers of Jesus. And uh, children and uh, Adam and Tiger, I want to thank you guys so much for uh, leading us in worship through song this morning and helping us prepare our hearts to commune with the Lord uh, through this ordinance of the Lord's table. I want to, I want to offer four uh, truths from scripture uh, for us to meditate on, for us to think about, for us to use as starters or kindling for uh, stimulating thankfulness in our own lives and as we think about communion and, and what we do at this time of communion. So the first one, as I mentioned, is we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Uh, our actions are a picture of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. We take the bread, which is broken, and that symbolizes his body 
broken on the cross for us. And the cup symbolizes the blood of Jesus Christ poured out for us that we might have forgiveness of sins. The second thing is that our participation in the Lord's Supper gives a clear sign of unity with one another. All of us who are joined to Jesus Christ are joined to one another through the Spirit. And we are one family, the family of God, the church of whom Jesus Christ is the head. The third thing is that Christ affirms his love for you here. As you take the elements, you remember that he individually and personally died for your sin in your place, was buried and rose again. It's a stark reminder and a tremendous reassurance of his love for us. Scripture tells us that God demonstrated his own love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the final thought I want to leave you with is that communion is a sign of your ongoing fellowship with Jesus. It is another way of saying, I need you and I trust you. For there is salvation in no one else. And having saved me and having forgiven of my sins and entered my life to lead me, I continue to trust you. I need you to experience the spiritual blessings that I possess in you. Four truths, four affirmations from Scripture that lead us to give thanksgiving, thankfulness in our hearts to Christ. So I'm going to take a few moments where we can take time in prayer, and I invite you to give thanks to the Lord as you consider his work on your behalf, on our behalf and to uh, experience his love through communion with him. And if there's sin that's a barrier in fellowship with him, to confess that. So let's go to the Lord in prayer silently, and then I'll close this time of prayer uh, loud, and we will take the elements together. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, we are lost in wonder and love and praise when we consider your sacrifice on the cross for our sin. I know what I'm like, and we know what we are like. And despite rebellion and being ungodly, helpless, sinners deserving of wrath, you loved us enough to come and pay the penalty for our sin and to offer eternal life to all who would place their faith in you. We are overwhelmed with gratitude, and we give you thanks. We ask for grace to let that thankfulness be reflected in our thoughts, in our attitudes, in our hearts, and in our actions. We thank you for the privilege of being able to take uh, these elements that you have ordained for us to do in remembrance of you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I invite you to pull the top off of your wafer and to hold that in your hand. And I will read the words that Jesus spoke to his disciples the night before he went to the cross. This is from Luke chapter 22. When Jesus had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. You'll pull the top off of the cup. I will again read the words of Jesus regarding the cup that he shared with the disciples that night. This cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. Let's take the cup together. Thank you, Lord, for dying for our sins. Thank you for cleansing us anew when we confess sin to you on a daily basis. Thank you for overwhelming us with grace. In your name we pray. Amen. You can set the cups down at the, on the floor, and we'll collect those after the service. The uh, kids are released to kids' worship, which is out this door. 
kindergarten through grade five. And if you are a guest with us, feel free to walk with your children and meet the staff and find out where you'll pick them up afterward. Praying scripture is a healthy habit. When we pray scripture, we know we have confidence that we are praying according to God's will and that we are picking up on what he would have us to do. And it's quite easy to do. We can just typically alter prayer in scripture with our name or with our circumstances as we call on the Lord. Well, today we've got a prayer. I'm, I'm going to give you a prayer directly from Scripture that uh, can be used before a meal. And this prayer is uh, especially to be used as a prayer of grace uh, before a meal, but after people have started eating, if you will. I know that uh, for some people, uh, praying before a meal has kind of gone out of vogue. And uh, for others, there's sometimes it just gets lost in conversation or uh, sometimes we're at a restaurant and the food arrives at different times. So uh, if that happens and you still want to pray, then let the person who has begun to eat pause and uh, bow their head and say these words. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. <laughs> Amen. Okay, scripture always teaching us how we can live practically in God's eyes. Today we look at Psalm 103, and it is a psalm of praise. It is a psalm which teaches us how to pray, teaches us a necessary prayer and a healthy prayer for us. Psalm 103 is a psalm of praise. And so we are declaring who God is, and praise always leads to thankfulness. Because once we begin to declare who God is, and we recall his attributes, his characteristics, that begins to cause us to think what he does, specifically what he's done on our behalf, because everything that he does comes out of who he is. His actions are based on his attributes. It's always true to who he is. And, and once we begin to think about what he's done, and especially for us, then we turn to gratitude and we turn to thankfulness. And that is extremely healthy for your life and for mine. Thankfulness is the prevailing attitude of the follower of Christ. We see that throughout Scripture. Jesus uses parables to talk about it. Paul hammers us in his letters to be thankful. And there's good reason for that. Well, David is going to school us in that way in this phrase. We're in this series called Soundtracks for Everyday Living because the Psalms were songs. They're lyrics to songs that we're looking at today inspired by the Holy Spirit, and, and this one's written by David. I think it's toward the end of his life. I think that he is looking back as a, a man of passion and, and saying, here's 
who God is and how to honor him with prayer and how to speak to him. In fact, we'll see that David says this is how to speak to ourselves. It's going to promote an attitude of gratitude. So Psalm 103, we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. The entire chapter is worthy of your study and your prayer and your meditation. Maybe you can finish that out this week. But Psalm 103, 1 to 5 informs us of praising God wholeheartedly. Even tells us the reason why we should do that and, and the manner in which we should do that. And then he closes it out in verses 3 to 5 with five specific benefits. And what he's doing is he's training us how to be specific in thanking God for his goodness in our lives. The list is not exhaustive. It's just suggestive to help us start thinking about thanking God for his goodness. Well, let's look at verse 1. And here we see that we are to express praise with all that we are. Express, express praise with all that you are wholeheartedly. The Lord God gives us a model of praise from the pen of David here. And as I said, I think it comes from later years in life, this passionate man who looks back and, and has lived life to the fullest under God's leadership, full of triumph and tragedy. And he is turning to praise God. He's given us inside information on an active prayer life for a follower of Jesus. And what we see is praise turning to thankfulness. Listen to David's reminder to praise in verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Simply put, to bless the Lord means to praise him. We see that connection made very clearly in Psalm 34, verse 1. I think it's going to be on the, the screen. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Or no, David, uh, David says in Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord continually at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And, and what he's showing us there through that parallelism in, in the psalm is that bless is a synonym for praise. And, and so we are to praise the Lord when we bless him. When we praise God, we speak well of his greatness and his goodness. We use statements typically that start off with you are. And to bless the Lord means that we are lost in love and wonder and praise. Because we're considering him for who he is. We are amazed at his grace, which is just poured out upon us. The James Webb Telescope has been uh, have been releasing they've been releasing pictures from it it was launched last christmas day and, and they've been releasing pictures from it and it is amazing how spontaneous even for nasa scientists the, the praise is pouring through now i haven't seen the articles where they actually say we were praising god what i have seen is uh, pam melroy for instance nasa administrator saying uh, as an engineer as a scientist as a human being i am deeply moved by these infrared images there's no clutter, there's no dust. The deep-filled images are the largest that have ever been shown in the universe. This is God's creation. And so it's natural for us. It's spontaneous for us to praise God. We do it when we see a sunset, especially over toward Lake Conroe. And we see those oranges and those pinks and those peaches in the sky. And it's just glorious. 
Praise can be spontaneous, but praise must also be intentional. And I think that's why David is exhorting himself here to not let that go. We bring God to light by praising him. And our praise must be wholehearted. As you look at the words of this psalm in verse 1, ask yourself, to whom is David speaking here? To himself. Bless the Lord, O my soul. He is exhorting himself. He's teaching us how to speak to ourselves with self-exhortation. I like what Paul Tripp says in one of his writings. He says, no one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. Can you identify with that? You carry on conversation with yourself all day long. Whether you're trying to interpret something that was said, analyze something, make a decision, whatever it is, we are constantly carrying on a conversation. And of course, inserted all through there are those tapes of our parents playing or key friends. And sometimes those are good and sometimes those are bad. So the question for us is when we talk to ourselves, are we stimulating faith or fear? Are those conversations leading to discouragement and doubt, or are they leading to praise? David's exhorting himself to praise, and that's what he's modeling for us, that we might become a people that praise the Lord because he is worthy of it. We don't want to be a people that simply talk to ourselves. Regardless of our circumstances, there are good reasons to praise the Lord. Self-exhortation plays an important role. So David shows us, God tells us through David, he wants us to praise the Lord and it should come from deep within. David exhorted himself to wholehearted praise. He says in here, and all that is within me. He's letting all his inward parts represent who he is so that this is deeply visceral. This is him being moved. This is something strong and deeply believed that he feels strongly about. That's why we use the word wholehearted. If we feel strongly about something or we want to do something or we believe something, we say we are wholehearted about it. It captures all of our thoughts and emotions and the will. It's a biblical term. And that's what David is pointing us to, to here. We want to be people that are wholehearted as we praise God. We want to be people that respond to all that God is with all that we are. And so we see how worship is woven in here with our praise, which leads to gratitude. Wholehearted worship is important to Jesus. Do you remember how he hammered the Pharisees, the religious leaders, over their worship. They are simply worshiping for show. They want people to recognize who they are. And so Jesus comes out with a comment that is haunting for us when we think about how we relate to him sometimes. And he says in Mark 7, quoting Isaiah, these people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. 
Wholehearted worship is important to Jesus. And that's what we see David saying when he says, bless the Lord, all that is within me. He's not just throwing that out as a, as a throwaway line, something to fill a song lyric. He is saying we want to be fully engaged, heart and mind. And here's what I love about Jesus. Jesus knows our frame. So when we go to him and, and worship and our worship is weak, he knows if we're overly burdened. He knows if we're overwhelmed. Still wants us to praise him. He doesn't mind if our, if our praise is faint. He doesn't want it to be fake. He doesn't want us just to speak with our lips and, and not mean it in our hearts. And he has the grace to recognize when we need the strength to be sufficient even to praise him. Our praise can be faint, but it must not be fake. David reminds us to praise the Lord intentionally and wholeheartedly. And in the next verse, he reveals a reason why we must be intentional about praising the Lord. In Psalm 103, 2, we are to express praise by remembering and rejoicing. We want to be, be people who think before we thank. Express praise by remembering and rejoicing. We're a forgetful people. Our world moves quickly. Our schedules are overloaded. And we are just lost in data. And so it's easy for us to forget that we have a personal relationship with the living God of the universe. To call on him, to praise him, to acknowledge his worth. We've got to be intentional about remembering who he is and what he has done. Is a songwriter in an old hymn who said, count your blessings, name them one, one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. That's such a healthy habit. Whether you do it when you get up in the morning or you do it when you go to bed at night, you do it when you pause for a meal or driving around in the car. These are such great opportunities to count our blessings and to recognize what God has done. Well, David addresses the issue that we have here in verse 2. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. He's repeating himself here. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. He's being very intentional about praising God. In fact, he's going to do that six times in this psalm. He's even going to finish the psalm. The last phrase is, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. So he wants this to be intentional. He wants it to be a habit. He wants to be fully engaged with it. So he's giving it thought. And he's exhorting himself to praise God this way. David gives us a reason, and that reason is that he can be forgetful. We are all that way, aren't we? Ultimately, we are aware that God is awesome and majestic and great. But in a moment-by-moment -moment basis in our lives, we tend to let that slip to the side. We don't live as if he's great and awesome and we can call on him and that we need his grace until we need it. And David's pointing out a lifestyle that says, hey, I'm going to praise you regardless. I'm going to be fully aware of your goodness in my life. Why do we forget? <clears throat> because we're arrogant. It's not just because we're absent-minded or there's a, a slip of the memory. The issue that our forgetfulness 
is that our forgetfulness becomes a deliberate act of ignoring the goodness of God. And that's why David is so strong on reminding himself to praise God. Because once his goodness slips our minds, we even begin to take credit for the good things in our lives, and we are ungrateful. David doesn't want that to happen in his life. Thankfulness is an important element in our spiritual lives arising out of praise. As I said earlier, praise declares who God is. And that reminds us of what he does. And that always draws us into hearts of gratitude. That engages our heart and mind as we remember who he is and we rejoice over what he has done. It's one of the easiest ways to stay in touch with Jesus throughout the day. Just think about it. Just a, a, a one-sentence word of thanks for everything that goes on in your day. You woke up in the morning. You didn't die overnight. Your body functions. You are able to eat and able to breathe the air. You're able to meet with friends. Your car runs. There are so many things we can thank the Lord for all day long. We don't want to ignore his goodness, and we certainly don't want to be legalistic about it. Some people do consider it legalistic to pray all the time. But you can thank him for what he has brought into your life, the relationships, the people, the circumstances, the job, the provisions, the protection. Find convenient times to think of who God is and what he has done. Praise him, be thankful. I say convenient not out of priority, but out of practicality. When you're driving around town, give thanks for who he is. See what that does to change your attitude as you consider the living God of the universe. Recognizing God's goodness is not legalistic. It was Moses in the book of Deuteronomy who admonished the Israelites 14 times to remember what the Lord has done. Teach your children, parents, is what he says more than once. And on nine occasions, he says, do not forget what the Lord has done. Do not forget who God is. So the people began to practice that. But by the third generation, the Israelites had forgotten. And they weren't passing this along. We see this in the book of Judges. And the nation deteriorated into decay. And the people did what was right in their own eyes and did not acknowledge God. Praise will keep us from forgetting God. Praise must be intentional. Take time to think about God's work in you and through you and around you. Praise him and let that praise lead you to thankfulness. One writer put it this way. I quoted it earlier. We must think before we thank. We must ponder before we praise. We must remember before we rejoice. Express praise by remembering and rejoicing. Once we remember who he is and what he has done, we find it easy to praise God. We will have counted our blessings in specific ways. We'll recognize his goodness. And that's what David shows us here in verses 3 through 5. He's going to give us five benefits that the Lord has given him 
I think they all apply to us as well. And so in verses 3 to 5, we see that we are to express praise by getting specific with God's goodness. I think reading about David in the Bible is always intriguing. This guy had more action sequences than Tom Cruise or Matt Damon. He is fascinating. He is fascinating in his failures as much as he is in his triumph. He is real. And throughout it all, we see this thread of David seeking the Lord, following the Lord, pursuing the Lord. And so here he takes a moment to express thanks for God's goodness, to name what God has done. And hopefully it causes us to think more deeply about God's work in us, through us, and around us. David lists five benefits. The first one is this. It's a great one. Forgiveness of sins. David says in verse 3, the first part of verse 3, who pardons all your iniquities. Forget none of his benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities. What a great one to start with. Uh, I love that he starts here because our sins are forgiven when we trust Jesus Christ as Savior. It, and it's not just that hell is canceled and heaven is guaranteed, but that he enters our life to lead us. He gives us the gift of his life, eternal life. And we begin to experience all his spiritual blessings and his love and his joy and his peace, which we desperately need in this fast-paced, frantic, fearful world. David says he forgives our sins. He pardons our iniquities and this word for forgiveness this particular word that is used here in verse 3 this hebrew word means and is only used by god in forgiving sin of sinners and that means a lot to me that david would choose a word like that that god would give him that word to put in psalm 103 because we know that we are to forgive others right we're to forgive our brothers and sisters in christ we're to forgive those who offend us and so forgiveness is all throughout scripture and it is a healing gift but when it comes to sin i think it's fantastic to recognize and realize that God has a word that he uses when it comes to forgiving sin. Sin is whatever we do, think, or say, whatever attitude we have that is contrary to God's will. It doesn't measure up to his perfections of holiness and righteousness. And so we say, oh, God have mercy. That's a lot of our day, isn't it? And he does. He forgives us our sins. This word for iniquity is especially strong. It indicates something that is twisted and distorted. I am glad that God was intentional about the words he put here so that we can have confidence that we are forgiven, that he understands our condition. This is what Jesus died for at the cross. He conquered sin. He paid the penalty that you and I owe for being sinners, he paid the penalty of death on the cross. He broke the power of sin for all that trust him so that we can live righteously. 
and in a loving response of obedience to him. Jesus died for our sins. And we need only trust him as Savior to experience these spiritual blessings. David was fully aware that sin is a barrier to fellowship with God and with others. He could attest to the destruction and the discouragement, even the despair that comes from sinning against God and against others. He sinned against Bathsheba and Uriah and against God. And then he kept it a secret to himself. He didn't tell anyone. And we read in Psalm 32 as he recounts what took place that he lost all vitality. He had no passion for life. There was sin going on in his life and he was not confessing it. And he dried up, spiritually speaking. In Psalm 51, well, and then, then God in his grace sent Nathan the prophet to confront him, to help him recognize the, the gravity of his sin. As Nathan told a parable, David said, that man deserves death. Nathan said, you are that man. And that got David's attention. And he confessed his sin. Psalm 51, against you, you only have I sinned, O Lord. And then we get the joy, the relief that comes from confessing sin in Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. He said, how blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. All of us who have walked with Jesus for any length of time can identify with the joy of being forgiven. And all of us who are holding on to sin and trying to cover it up can, ex can express the truth of drying up, of losing passion, of losing vitality. And so I would encourage you, if that's true in your life, to for ask forgiveness of the Lord. He promises to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I want us to note the descriptive adjective here, all your sins. Nothing you have done could cause the Lord to withhold forgiveness. He will cleanse you and restore your joy and your service all your sin. You don't have to try and help him out by failing to confess sin. His grace is more than sufficient. David is saying this, and he is not one who even celebrated communion like we do. He is not one who recognizes Jesus on the cross. Everything pointed toward that in David's day. But we have that provision. God's grace jumps out of this further. I don't think David could leave this alone in, in verses 8 to 14. I'm just going to read a couple of verses. Verse 10, he says this, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. David goes on about God's grace and how he deals with our sin. And then he further delineates the heart of God. In verse 12, As far as the east is from the west... So far has he removed our transgressions from us. That's an infinite loop. God has removed our sin. He has forgotten our sin. We're told elsewhere he puts them behind his back. He does not hold them over us. 
all our sins are forgiven and removed when we confess our sin. So David starts here as the first benefit because there is such joy found in going to God this way. Forgiveness of sin restores our joy. The second benefit David lists is this, give thanks for our good health. He says, who heals all your diseases. The Lord is fully capable of healing every disease, but he is not obligated to do so. David's baby was not healed when he fasted and prayed. Jesus did not heal everyone with whom he had contact. Paul could not heal two of his friends. The Lord chooses to heal when he desires to. Full healing is at his discretion as he guides us into greater Christ-likeness. But the Lord is our healer. So if you've been healed of a cold or of COVID or of cancer, God did that. Sometimes he just does it outright with his grace and his power and his strength. And sometimes he uses medical professionals and the latest technology, the newest medicine. God is in charge of our healing, and that gives us cause to praise. And as we think about this passage, I, I believe there's something a little more subtle and a little more powerful going on here. What is Jesus referring to when he says, your, your diseases? I think he's referring back to his soul. That he's not referring strictly to physical healing. David says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And so we are reminded here that the Lord heals the inner diseases of the soul. What would those be? Things like lust and envy and anger and bitterness, hatred and strife. The Lord heals us of what's going on inside us. Sin is clearly a sign of brokenness. And so when I am given to a critical spirit or to lust or to gluttony, I ask the Lord for healing in those areas. That is my prayer in the moment. He invites us to call out to him because he heals more than just physically. He heals what is going on internally. He is the one. To whom David prayed, give me a clean heart, O Lord. Restore the joy of my salvation. Ultimately, our final and total healing will come on that last resurrection day when we receive glorified bodies that are immortal and incorruptible. And with all of creation, we look forward to that day. But until that day, we need healing and we can praise God for what he brings. The third benefit David lists is this, deliverance from death. He says, who redeems your life from the pit? Redeems means to rescue from danger. And the pit here is used as a synonym for death. I think David is speaking of two things here. I think he's referring, first of all, to what we would call salvation. That moment when we trusted Christ and our sins were forgiven and he entered our lives. 
gave us the free gift of eternal life. I think the second rever reverence is to his providence in our lives in protecting us from death. David was a child of providence. All those action sequences, we saw the Lord protect him from a bear and a lion, from the javelin of Saul and from the spear or the sword of Goliath from the armies of his own son, Absalom, and from the forces of the Philistines, God delivered David. David was fully aware of how many times he had escaped death. You and I may not be aware. You may be aware of near-death experiences. But we can still praise God for all the times he protected us, all the times that his angels encamped around us. We can praise him that he has a day appointed for our death and that he will protect us until that time. We observe communion and remembered the gift of salvation. We can praise him for delivering us from death and the fact that we are alive today. That's the third benefit. The fourth benefit that David lists is this, that God crowns us with love and tender mercies. He says, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. The crown here reminds us of our position as children of God. In our day, we know the Queen of England wears a crown, and we don't do that so much. But David is treating us like children of God who are crowned by him with his loving kindness and with his compassion. This loving kindness is, is that undefinable word that only applies to God, the, the Old Testament Hebrew word of hesed, hesed. It, it combines components of loyalty and steadfastness, loving kindness. Almost every translation of scripture translates it differently because it's so hard to capture in the English. It speaks of God's unchanging and unending love. It is unconditional toward us. David says, the Lord crowns us with that. Let's praise him for that. We don't get a lot of that in this world, do we? People crowning us with an unconditional, unending, unchanging love. But God gives it to us. And that is cause for joy and cause for gratitude. The word compassion is a word of tender mercies. And I like that he uses that as well. Mercy implies failure and defeat. These mercies were reminded by Jeremiah in Lamentations 3 are new every morning. They are tailor-made for whatever we are experiencing. And they remind us that God is always moving toward us and that he is meeting us where we are and giving us what we need. That's our Jesus. We can celebrate him. We can praise him for that. I believe David in his brokenness and his pain throughout his life and in his passion for God often meditated on the words of God about himself. In Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7, David wasn't the only one. We see Nehemiah and, and Jeremiah 
We see those throughout scripture meditating on biblical truth. And in the Exodus 34, 6 and 7, we see David quote part of that in verse 8 of Psalm 103. He says this, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. Here we get a glimpse of the Father's heart toward us. He is full of grace. He is full of love. He is full of mercy. Fully aware of our condition, that we are dust. We are weak, but he is strong. Our Lord crowns us with love and tender mercies to be sufficient for our needs. That's the fourth benefit. The fifth benefit, David lists is this, that God satisfies us with his goodness. He says this in verse 5, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. David thanks God for his goodness to him. We would do well to follow suit. We would do well to count our blessings. David says that God satisfies you with good. And when he says that, he's also saying there's nothing on earth that can satisfy you the way God can. So not an earthly relationship, not a thick steak in Leona, not anything you can order on Amazon. The Lord satisfies you with goodness. He knows what you and I need deep down in our heart of hearts. And that's where he brings to us. He fills and comes from him. Eugene Peterson in the message translates it this way. He wraps you in goodness, beauty, eternal. What's the result of remembering and rejoicing? What's the result of praising God? What's the result of hearts filled with gratitude? What's the result of this reminder that Jesus is with us? We're told that our youth is renewed like the eagle. Our youth is renewed. Our relationship is restored in full fellowship. Our joy is renewed. We are given full vitality and we are spiritually alive. Just like the eagle hunting its prey with all its swiftness and its power and its strength and its vision. God restores us that way. That's what happens when we practice praise. Do not ever take the power of thankfulness for granted. As I said, Jesus highlighted it. It was important to him. Paul mentioned it. David gives us a model to praise God, to remember who he is, to rejoice in what he has done. And I challenge you to do that this week. I exhort you to do that because your life will be changed. Your attitude will be completely different the more that you practice praise. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are thankful that your grace is sufficient for all our needs. And we are thankful that here in the Old Testament, in this song of David, you have given us lyrics to live by. You've given us a, a prayer that we can practice at home, in the car, at work, at school. Lord, we pray that you would give us the grace to incorporate this 
type of praise and gratitude into our lives. And we thank you for the joy that becomes ours when we connect with you this way. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me?
Thank you for being with us this morning. Have a great week.